This episode was made possible by ExpressVPN. Start browsing the web securely with three months free by going to expressvpn.com MMI. On this episode of Meet My Inspiration, I welcome Guadalupe Rauz. She is from Buenos Aires, Argentina, where she studied economics and worked in finance for several years. That is until she was inspired to leave it all behind for a life of travel and adventure. In this talk, she shares her journey with us from what inspired her to leave her career to discovering her true passion in life and choosing to pursue it completely. She also shares with us how she has grown and changed through many wonderful experiences and even some pretty tragic events too. I really enjoyed my talk with Guadalupe. I found her to be such a beautiful spirit and quite an inspiration too. And now, please welcome Guadalupe Arauz. Right. So hello, Guara. Thank you very much for joining me on Meet My Inspiration. Hello, Chris. Thank you very much for inviting me. It is my pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. So to begin, I'd like to know, how do you tell people what you do? Oh, well, sometimes I don't say everything. Sometimes, yes, it really depends. Um, because people i don't know they look so surprised sometimes because you know i'm so small and i look so like feminine and fragile and they 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 are really surprised sometimes um i tell everybody that in general that um i'm i'm going around the world uh, by motorcycle and i work on on the way doing video writing from travel magazines and that's it but they don't really they always ask me more because they don't really understand it it's like what but why but all the time and you don't stop no i don't stop it's just like eight years like that so traveling traveling and traveling yeah so far Okay, it's, 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 a, it's a big story. I think it's, it's very difficult to kind of summarize what you do in a few sentences. It's almost impossible, I would think. And it's such a, such a surprise to people, like you said, when they first meet you, perhaps, that you're somebody who rides motorcycles around the world. It's going back, well, we used to be nomads, you know. So it's going back to that kind of life. It's not really, it's just, doing something different or doing the same in, in a different way. And the only constant in my life is the movement, the change. That's almost a, a routine. Like all the time I have everything change in my life, every day, every month. Um, sometimes it's boring. Sometimes it's really nice to have everything every day the same <laughs> for me. So my holidays are like that. I love when I can stay three months in a place. And it's like, oh my gosh, I have the same shower and I have the same bed every day, the same people also. It's so nice. Your, your vacations uh, are sort of the opposite of most people. You'd like to stay in one place uh, and have a boring time during your vacation, I guess. Yeah? It's not boring at all because <laughs> like when I... When you meet new people, every, when you meet new people every time, you need to start from the beginning. So what you do, what, uh, what do you like, etc., etc. But when you have the same people in your life for more than one month, then you have 
more, maybe sometimes more interesting uh, conversations or, or you can go deeper. Okay, so, well, I'd like to hear more about what you were doing before um, this very exciting life that you lead started. Um, so you used to be an economist, you used to work in the stock market. Um, how did you get into that career? Hmm. Um, well, it's like, I think like everybody, I just obtained the economic degree. I start changing every year my job to a better one. Um, and the stock market was just the last one. Um, I learned fast in general. I work hard. I'm really analytic person. I'm good treating people uh, when I want. And my boss saw that on me and he just hired me. I didn't know anything at that time about finance. So I learned everything on the way that was quite difficult. The first, first year was challenging, really challenging. But after one year, uh, it wasn't challenging anymore. It was really like all the time the same, like every shop, I think. Um, so after one year, I started getting boring again. <laughs> I, need, I, I like the change because I like learning. So when I, I think that I know everything I can know about one thing, it's just like boring again. So you didn't feel challenged after, after one year, you feel like you kind of learned everything you needed to learn uh, about that particular job and you just didn't feel challenged anymore. It is a challenge in, in a certain way, but no, not really, because most of the time you're just doing office things. And even like the way of analyzing stock or bonds or whatever are always the same. There is a way that your boss like it or your clients like it, etc., etc. So no, it's not challenging anymore for me. Also, I don't like the stock market really. And I think it's more like a bet, like something that shouldn't be there. Bonds are okay for me, but like like shares and those kind of things I don't like it at all ETF I don't know if you know a little bit about the stock market uh -huh, but yeah. I think are real things that are not good for real life and for the economy but that's my opinion so I started feeling really bad about it and also because it's like if you have a lot of money it's really easy to make more money because you can get better things that you can't access if you don't have enough money. Mm. But if you're not a rich person, then everything gets really expensive and you can invest in a really, really good way. So the people that have a lot of money is getting more money and the people that doesn't have that much is losing the money. So I think it's not fair also. And I don't feel in a moral way really good about this. Well, I, I think, you know, we can see from what you're doing now, it wasn't the life for you, but how long, how long did you do that? How long did you work in finance? Uh, well, in finance, it depends what you define as finance. Finance, like five years, the stock market, two years. Okay. Um, obviously you decided to pursue another path, um, and, and quit that career. Was, was there a particular moment, um, when you knew that you had this dream that you wanted to pursue and you wanted to leave your career in finance? Was there one particular moment? 
I think, well, not just one, a lot of little moments. Um, it was like, I wasn't happy. I didn't know why, although. So I went for a month to a psychologist in Argentina. Everybody goes to a psychologist. It's like really trendy, I think. I don't know. Uh, but I, I never went to one. I was like really weird because of that. And so I decided to go. It was like, all my friends are going. Okay, I'm going to. And he asked me what I would like to do if I were rich and young. I was like 29 years old. And I was like, hmm. And answered him, I would like to travel around, uh, taking photos and writing and helping others with that. But I thought that's impossible because I study economy and I, I like writing, but I'm not a professional. It's, it's impossible. I'm not going to earn any money doing that. There is no way. So I just, um, I don't know, I go back to my shop again and start doing the same every day until I have my holidays the same year, was like two months after this. Um, and I went to a trip to Israel, Greece and Jordan. And I met in Israel, in Israel a guy that was from a really poor family in Argentina he was traveling to. And he didn't go to school at all. And he used to work in construction since he was really young. And he used to make uh, necklaces and bracelets by hand as a way to relax because his life was really, really tough. And one day he was sick and he didn't have a job because of that. So he exploded. And he took all his things and he went to the big city, Buenos Aires. He was from a little town. And he slept for some months on the street. He sold all the necklaces and bracelets and some designs also. Uh, and he, gets, uh, like, he got a lot of money with that. Uh, he bought a ticket to Europe and he started making money with bracelets and doing um, like design things. And he sent money to his family that could build a house even. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, I was completely astonished because I spoke languages. I went to university. I traveled a lot before. I, have, I used to have a lot of mental tools more than him, but he was brave and I wasn't. I was like, I was thinking I can't do it. And he just, he just did it. I was fine. So I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. So I told him, okay, I want to do the same that you are doing, but I'm, I'm good at everything, but I'm not amazing in anything, really. So I can do it. So he told me, you need to find something you love that you really enjoy doing it, but you don't need to like the result. Someone else should like it, but not everybody. And that's okay. So just start doing something you like. You're going to get better every day. So I came back to Buenos Aires. I thought a lot about this. Um, 
I was between buying a car for first time in my life um, or going to Asia to travel for at least one year with not much money per month. So I was like, oh my gosh, what I'm going to do? I didn't tell anybody about this. Uh, but it was like fight inside with myself. And one weekend, I just one night, it was like 2 a.m. in the morning, I just bought a ticket to China. Uh, I bought the travel insurance uh, and I ran out of money. So it was like, okay, the car, it's impossible now. I need to go to China. So I took the decision in one minute, just, just taking it. Amazing. It was Amazing. just one second. Yeah. It's and, like a and, lot of little steps that, I don't know, that through use, through that decision. It, it's sort of, it was a buildup over time. It was unhappiness in your career. It was unhappiness in your life, maybe in general. And then you found this person um, that inspired you, that showed you that you could perhaps do something totally different, something totally free. And something but at the same time, the psychologist uh, allowed me to think first what I like and what I want also. Yeah, and then the other person, the guy in Israel, told me, just do it. Just try. So I was, okay, I'm an I'm economist. I studied that. My mind is really like, like a square sometimes. So I thought, okay, I have some money. I'm going to do this. I have like, I don't know, like $500 or $700 per month to spend. So I'm going to do this for one year. If I like it, I continue doing this. If I don't like it, I can come back and I can say that I took one year in economics, one year to pay more not. Well, so let's, talk, let's talk more about that in just a second. But I want to know, you made this very bold decision. You purchased a ticket to China, which we'll talk about in just a moment. That's, that's, a, that's a very big decision in your life, to leave a, a stable career behind. Um, an unhappy career, but still perhaps a stable career in many people's minds. There must have been somebody in your life, in your family, who discouraged you or told you not to do this. Was that the case? No, not, not at all. And I was really surprised about it. It was like everybody was so happy about it and I don't know support me in every way and I didn't understood why really it was like mm, this is tricky for sure mm. but then when I came back after one year because I had an accident I realized that everyone that was really supporting because they thought that that I was going to come back that this was just a momentary madness so it was like okay do whatever you one so in three months you're going to come back anyway so it doesn't matter i think it was because of that and then everybody after a year everybody was so surprised that i did it it was like oh my gosh i thought that it was going to be only two months <laughs> well let's let's talk about that year um you purchased a ticket to to china and as far as i know you kind of started doing photography and maybe travel writing while you were there um, you went to China and eventually to other countries around Southeast Asia. Um, tell, tell us about that year. I mean, it's a lot to, it's a lot to encompass in a, in, a, in a short conversation, but 
you came back after that year and you felt like a changed person. So I don't know, maybe the beginning in China, other places that you traveled to, how you were kind of changing and growing during that period. Could you talk a little bit about that? About how I changed internally? Well, let's talk about you, you purchased a ticket to China. Um, yeah. Where did you go in China to begin with? Oh. Do you remember? I crashed, yeah, to Beijing. Do you know Beijing? I love Beijing. Yeah. Um, I spent like three months in China, going around Hong Kong too. Uh -huh. And I don't speak Chinese at all. I can say ni hao ma, wu hong hao, and that's it. No, and nobody no, could no. understand me in Chinese either. Like, it was completely madness. Um, you know China, it's difficult to travel there, even if you speak English, because nobody speaks English really uh, outside the big city. So even Beijing, nobody could speak English at all. Like the taxi drivers, no way. They don't speak English. So for me, it was so confusing. It was like, this is impossible. I can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Uh, it was really challenging. But in China, I think I learned that people help you every time. If you really need help, the people help you every time in their own way. Um, there is more good people than bad people, really. They are really supporting you every time. And that I can do whatever I want, really. It's like, it's like my internal strength, to say. I'm, I'm really, really strong internally. I can do whatever I want. Are you there? I'm, I'm here, yeah. It seems like we might be having a little technical problem. <laughs> OK. Can you hear me? Yes. OK. Um, so you, you went to Beijing, you were traveling around China, you, you started taking photos, you started writing, and you started finding this strength within yourself. Um, yes, because it's like every time you start having a lot of problems on the way that you need to sort out and try to survive, right? And then you realize that you're not alone, that people help you, and that every time you have a problem, you actually try to think outside the box and you can work out everything, really, and solve out everything. So it's really okay. So now it's like some, when I have problems, it's just like, ah, it doesn't matter, really. I don't cry anymore about things. You were traveling alone, or were you traveling with a friend or group of people? completely alone and oh my gosh i was like in the middle of china sometimes i didn't know how to come back to my house i don't have an address the the phone wasn't working i was like oh my gosh everything is in chinese how i'm going to do this but in some way it's like doing i don't know um drawing like a bus drawing a, i don't know a panda whatever i needed to go back to my place people could understand me anyway um and i just did everything everything i wanted in china um, i think china and africa were the most challenging places but that year was china actually um I really, really love it. And so I start trusting on myself in China. 
and trusting on others also. When, when you first set out, when you first left Argentina to go to China, you bought a ticket, you knew you were going to be traveling alone. Have you, had you traveled alone prior to that? Had, did you have experience kind of relying on yourself? Did you, did you have some confidence that you would be okay or was that your first time? I would say that one was my first time because uh, when I was studying English, uh, I went for, I don't know, one month to England alone, but it's not the same because it's the same culture, people, even if you talk like really bad English, people understand you anyway. It's like you can manage yourself in some way. China is completely different. So for me, it was like the first time really traveling alone for everything. It was the first time doing couch surfing or trying to camp alone. The first time trying to speak another language or trying to speak uh, sign languages. Language, it, it was so hard for me. And even I didn't know, at that time, I couldn't spend less than $1,000 per month. Now I'm being with $300 per month when I travel around. It was impossible for me to to spend not much money per month. It was like, oh my gosh, I don't understand how people do it with so not much money. So I learned that in two months, I learned so many things, so many things. That was a very important um, two months, of course, but also a very important year in your life. It sort of changed who you are or maybe found who you are that you weren't aware of before the, the the travel time in china and was it just china or did you go to other countries as well in asia oh i went to a lot of countries i think it was like 10 different countries the countries i love the most are china and indonesia mm. but also all the southeast well hong kong which is kind of china i don't know um, Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia, uh, Brunei, um, I don't know, Singapore, all those all those countries. Quite a lot, um, quite a lot of places. Yeah, but I, I spent uh, three months in China and like four months in Indonesia. I traveled around a lot of little islands in Indonesia. It was amazing. So after that year of travel, you knew that you were never going to go back to a normal life again. Um, but also during that year, I think that that's where you first learned to ride a motorcycle. Is that correct? Yes, it is. That was, oh my gosh. Um, I, I think I did it because I was trusting on myself only. It was like after China, I told myself, I can do whatever I want. I can do everything. I can learn everything now um because i'm really bad driving in general it's like you give me a motorcycle and there is i don't know a butterfly on the air and i think i'm not going to crash to on, on the with a butterfly and i crash with a butterfly it's like it's impossible it's i can't it's like i'm so so well <laughs> driving anything <laughs> so the first time it's like i have a little accident and my foot was like swollen a little bit so 
one friend in Indonesia told me it would be nice if you drive a motorcycle because there the public transportation is really, really bad. Mm. You need to wait hours for that. And it's not that cheap. Well, it's cheap, but it's cheaper to rent a motorbike. So I thought, okay, could be nice. It's like more freedom, cheaper. I don't need to wait hours. And then this girl eh, gave me her motorbike actually to try. And it was so difficult. I thought I was going to fall on my side. I have this impression all the time. But I went for one, I don't know, one block away only. And then came back and it was fine. So the next island, when I was alone, because I'm really shy, it was like, no, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it alone. Nobody's going to see me falling, <laughs> crashing or whatever. So I rent a motorbike in Bali, because Bali is impossible with public transportation. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to rent a motorbike for one week and I will learn how to drive alone on my way. <laughs> so I rented this motorbike. The guy came with motorbike and told me, do you know how to drive? And I was, yeah, sure, still. Like I have the, um, how do you call it? The car for, for driving cars. The actually. license, no, license yeah. License for car, not for motorbikes. So he went away and after I asked an Indonesian guy right there, could you please explain me how to start the motorbike? And I was like, sure. And he explained me. And then, and the lights, I don't know how to, I don't know, explain me everything, please. And he explained me the lights, he explained me how to put um, oil on the motorbike. And then he was so scared about me. And he told me, please don't go. You're going to crash. You're going to die. You don't know anything. Don't go away. Uh, and, I, and I thought, it's fine. I'm going so slow. Everybody goes like 40 kilometers per hour. It's nothing there. So if I fall, I just open my legs and the motorbike is going <laughs> down alone. So it doesn't really matter. They, they have really small motorbikes. So I thought it's going to be fine. And I did it. It wasn't scary at all. I went around the island. So the next six months of the trip, I just started renting motorbikes in every island, in, in every, even in China again when I came back. It was really, really good. But you need to think that they are automatic motorbikes. And they are really light and really simple. Then, when I came back to Argentina and I bought my first motorbike, it was a small motorbike also, but it was a dirty motorbike. You call it dirty, dirty bikes for, uh, yeah, for off-road. Oh, okay. This kind of bikes that are for off-road, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they are light also. But with the luggage and with everything, they are really, really tall. I'm really short. Uh, so it was impossible. It was like starting again everything. Um, but I, well, I, do, I did it. I just, I fought a lot the first time and it was fine after. Well, you're, you're, you're quite brave. I, I think that most people would not want to learn off by themselves just in case something happened. I don't know. But you learning to ride that motorcycle in Indonesia, that was another life-changing part of your travels. Um, 
So let's kind of get into your current project that kind of came from you learning to ride that motorcycle. Um, the World by Motorcycle is your current project. Um, it's a big project. Um, it's a lot to talk about, but maybe you can kind of introduce that a little bit and then we can discuss some of the details of this project, please. Sure. First, one acclaration. I don't know if it is my project really. I say that because people in general need some structure. Otherwise, they don't understand what you're doing and the conversation is really difficult. So if they ask you, what are you doing? I'm, I, I'm doing the world by motorcycle. It's easy to understand. But uh, I can change my mind at any second about it. Um, and I did also other things, mostly by motorcycle, but sometimes I just, I do like three months on a bicycle, or I did 2000 kilometers in an electrical scooter in Spain, sleeping with my sleeping bag on a budget of $5 per day. And hitchhiking sometimes, even hitchhiking with a motorcycle, if it is broken in Africa. Mm. Um, I love the motorcycle, but, it's just I can't change that. It's okay if I if sometimes I need to do something else. But in general, I choose motorcycle. I love it. And I did on my motorcycle some countries in Asia renting motorcycles. And with my own ones, I did three countries in Europe only, uh, from Spain to Liberia in Africa, which is like ten or eleven countries in Africa and all the continental countries in South, Central, and North America from Ushuaia in the, in the South to Alaska. Not wow. the islands, but then all the other countries on the continent. So your goal is to travel to every country on Earth? Every country, yeah. <laughs> That's your goal. Be, if I do it on a motorcycle, it's better. That's a very ambitious goal. And you're doing it mostly alone, I assume. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I did five months in Africa with a friend, but uh, most of the time I'm alone, yeah. How many countries have you traveled to so far? I don't count the, mo the, the countries, but it's like, it's not much. It's like 55, 60 countries. Not much. <laughs> well, but you have like more than like 200 countries. I don't know. Yeah, almost 200, I think. You're right. 55, that's, that's very impressive. Um, okay, well, you said you, you, told, you told us already how you traveled from Spain and down through Africa. Um, this is a particular area where I would like to focus on a little bit. I think that your journey through Africa was probably one of the most challenging things that you've ever done. Uh, in your life, um, yes. And well, let's 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 get started with your your journey through Africa. Um, and I think you know where we're going. You you had a terrible accident, and we'll talk about that in in detail. But how did you feel going into Africa? Were you were you nervous? Were you worried? Were you, were you confident? Everything. I don't know. It's like for an Argentinian, Africa is like a black point. We don't know anything about it. It's like, I don't know. We don't have any information. The information we have is that they have wars. 
they kill each other and they have a lot of problems, hungry, no much food, like everything negative. But we don't know anything about daily life, how it's like the normal people there. We don't know anything, the culture of every country, because also we say Africa. But Africa, in every country is really different from each other. Yeah. Um, so it was also when I try, I prepare Africa for four months. It was the first time in my life that I need to prepare a trip. It was impossible because nobody has really good information about any country in Africa. Even like I have several friends that went with their motorcycles, but with a lot of money, every time they need a visa, they just go back to Spain to make the visa and come back. I can't do that. Mm. And also it's like Africa is really expensive really expensive nobody told me about that they don't have much things they don't have parts for the bike for the motorcycle it was impossible even when my motorcycle is really small but they don't have parts well and then, uh, let's, let's talk about that for a second um while traveling through africa you you had some trouble with your motorcycle and you had some difficulty um finding parts just like you said um yeah. so that led you on a journey to find parts for your motorcycle. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, sure. Uh, I love that part because uh, I need to learn a lot of patience with everything in Africa. Africa can be amazing or sometimes just like a shit. It's like you get nuts completely. Um, it, it really depends on you how if you're really positive uh, or not um, because it's challenging but parts <sighs> I start having a lot of problems after Senegal um, Mor Morocco is really fine it's like another part of Europe it's not Europe it's completely different but in Africa in the black Africa they call it uh, the Europe of Africa, <laughs> Morocco. But after Senegal, oh my gosh, it was really, really challenging. I had a problem with my suspension. So I get to Guinea, Conakry, and I didn't have the monoshock, was completely broken. And I have a problem with the back wheel also. Um, it was really difficult to travel off-road with my motorcycle and I tried with several people. Everybody thinks they are mechanics, but nobody is really a mechanic. And as I'm a woman, when I need help for, I don't know, um, taking out the wheel sometimes with, with the strength. I'm not, I don't have enough strength muscles for that, but I know how to do things. And when I, I just ask for help, paying, of course, to a mechanic or something like that. I realized that they know some t sometimes less than me in general there. Um, it was really difficult because they didn't want to listen to me because I'm a woman, so I don't, I don't know anything about mechanics, supposedly. It's a big difference about uh, men, what a man knows and what a woman knows. It's like different words there. So they could believe that I actually knew something about mechanics. I was, every day I had a problem with the back wheel and every 
you say punch your wheel. Mm. I used to punch, like make a hole into my wheel. Oh, okay. Punch my wheel uh, every day. So every day was exactly the same, actually, like like a repeat, um, like repeating every day the same. I see. So and you were you were you were continuing. Sorry, you were continuing to travel, and you were constantly um, puncturing your tire. You were getting a hole yeah. in your tire, correct? Every day, every day was impossible. So every day I just stop in a place, in any place, and I asked for a mechanic, and a guy came from nowhere, really, because it was in the middle of nothing, I don't know, only trees there. Wow. But there is always someone that knows something. Hmm. And they tried to tell me, and every day was like, no, you're not doing anything because you don't know anything. I was like, it's my bike, I'm going to pay for this, so please do what I want and just help me. It was a big discussion of 30 minutes for that. Then they get mad with me. Then I told them uh, how to, I don't know how to say it in English, but how to put the, you have like the wheel. And when you put the wheel back to the motorcycle, you have like a stick that you need to put inside. Yeah, like a bolt or, or something. Yeah, and they always put it in the back in a weird way and they they took um, a rock and tried to put it inside with the rock and I was like oh my gosh my motorcycle no don't do that my so then 30 minutes more to explain them that my motorcycle was my house just like my house it's everything I have so it's like please treat my motorcycle as family don't do that with my motorcycle a rock is not a good idea for my motorcycle. And they start laughing, thinking that I was crazy. And then when I actually did it by myself, I put the stick by myself and everything was fine. They couldn't believe, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe their eyes. And they start laughing and telling me, oh my gosh, you know how to do it. And you know, you do it better than us. I was like, I don't know, like, something really really nice you, and you must have learned a lot along the way i'm sure and 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 i know a bit about your story of course and i know that there was a period where you were constantly traveling forward maybe looking for parts in new places or trying to get to a destination where they had a special part for your your bike your motorcycle and you were traveling on effectively a, a broken motorcycle a flawed it wasn't working properly for many different reasons and you were falling a lot, um, which is frightening. Um, but as, as far as I know, you say you were learning to fall, which is not something I, I, most people know how to do. Um, you were falling a lot and you were getting more comfortable with falling, which is a strange thing to get comfortable with, in my opinion. But at some point uh, during your trip through Africa, you had a pretty bad fall. Is that correct? You had a, a really bad accident. First, if you do off-road, and in Africa, if you want to see the real Africa, you need to go out from the main road. So everything is off-road. It's like you don't have asphalt in the Western part of Africa, and the West Africa. So it's, it's like, and if you do off-road, you just, you're going to fall all the time. Mm. So it's impossible not to do that. 
uh, at least me, I don't know. Um, you have rocks, you have mud, you have a lot of factors. And yeah, I went to Guinea Conakry and the mechanics there told me that I need to cross uh, three countries in order to reach um, Ivory Coast to find maybe parts, maybe. So I was like, okay, I'm going really slow. I told myself, I'm going really slow and I need to go through three countries until I can, I don't know, fix my motorcycle. It was crazy because the other decision was just come back to my country without the motorcycle. Mm. It was like going, going to Ivory Coast or come back. There is no other way. So I decided to go. Um, I was with a, a friend of mine. She she's from Brazil and she learned, I don't know, like two months before the trip how to ride a bike also. Mm. Yeah, she's like me. Uh, but her motor, motorcycle was really fine. And we went, we crossed two countries and a half and everything was fine. We went through the most impossible roads and everything was okay. And we reached, at the end, we reached like a really, really nice road, a dusty road anyway, but like the ones that you can find in US and in Liberia, in the east of Liberia. So we were really, really far away from the capital, like 10 hours away from the capital, off-road, everything off-road. And we were trying to cross the country. I started having problems with motorcycle, but as always. And I was going maybe 50 kilometers per hour, not or 40, I don't know, but not really fast because I couldn't because of the motorcycle. And I had like, um, I think in the motorcycle world, they call it a shimmy, which is, um, I don't know, it's like the motorcycle start doing crazy things like, yeah shaking but really 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 fast so it's like two seconds and you're on the air just flying away so because in general i have time and i control it i know how to control the motorcycle but if it is two seconds you can do anything and i have the metal protectors for my hands uh, so i flew out from the motorcycle and my hands get stuck with the metal protectors and i broke two hands one uh, I completely destroyed my left hand. I'm left hand, so I do everything with this hand. Yeah, it was heavy. It was impossible after. And I'm I broke. Just to clarify for, for a second. The metal protectors, You when you're riding a motorcycle, obviously you keep your hands on the, the grips and the accelerator and so on. There was a metal protector covering your hands. You flew off the motorcycle. Your body was flying over the the motorcycle and your hands were stuck inside and behind you yeah yeah broke. yeah so i was stuck on the motorcycle I just oh. with a motorcycle yeah yeah that's a problem because if 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 you fly outside the motorcycle it's fine when, when you have a problem it's better to be really really far away from the motorcycle because the motorcycle is metal and can really break all your bones Mm -hmm. So it's good just to jump far away from the motorcycle. If you if you 
crash with the motorcycle on the motorcycle is really really bad it's, you're probably going to have a like a big problem after well you uh, definitely um, had a big problem so let's let's get to the part to where you know it was a big problem and then it was impossible because i was in the middle of nowhere no doctors not anything there there are some hospitals but not really good doctors and they can they say that they can kill you more than it's better even not to go to the hospital there mm. um I, I really don't know how people do it there it's they can die with the stupid stupid injury how how uh, how, how was the moment when you realized the seriousness of your condition you you'd learned to fall you've fallen many times um, I think you've broken a few bones along the way, but this was yeah. different. This was this was a pretty serious situation. What was the moment like when you realized that? I think when you wake up from that moment, you just you know, but you can't think about it. You just need to sort out the situation to work with the situation. It's like, I know what I need at that time. I'm thinking really, really fast. I'm really good on that uh, with problems in general. So I thought I need a doctor. I need a good doctor. I need to go out from here to go to the capital and then to go out from this country to get a surgery because I already knew it. Um, my, my surprise was that Liberia is probably the less developed country in the area mm. so they don't even in the capital they don't have a, a place for surgery you need to go to other country they don't have anything there they have only one x-ray and you say x-ray yeah, yeah. x-ray machine only one in all the country so it was quite impossible and uh, thanks god i have my friend so i could tell her what to do because i don't have cans so I, I couldn't send a WhatsApp message to, I don't know, my insurance or to anything. So she coordinates with insurance. She gets Wi-Fi from someone that was helping from there. And sometimes you have Wi-Fi, sometimes no for one hour. So you need to wait one hour for a message for the answer to get in the answer. It's quite crazy. And there is no communication also. It's, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, it's something that you can imagine until you are actually in that situation. Um, so I get this hospital, but they told me it, we can go for it uh, to pick you up because you're 10 hours ago away. So it's going to be 20. Just come here. Mm. And they put me on the van. Uh, and we did like 11 hours on the van but even like liberian people even the they they are not doctors but they are like doctors they work there and they stop i was with a lot it's like blood everywhere with a lot of problems they didn't know if i had a problem inside because they didn't have x-ray it was really, really scary the moment. And they stopped to have dinner in the middle of, of the night. I was like, what the hell you're doing? And they told me, you're in pain, but you're not dying. How do you know? I was like, you're awake. I was like, but you don't know if I'm dying. Well, but until you're dying, we have time. So 
they had dinner and they come back one hour after that. I was on the van with my friend and we were like, oh my gosh, okay, we need to be patient. We, we knew it, we know where we are and how people think here. It's everything in the moment, not the future. The mind is here. So, so, so they don't care. If they don't have a problem now, they don't care, really. It's terrible. Uh, so your road... At the same time, it depends for what. So we went to the capital and then I was five, de five days there and then they flew me to South Africa to Scott Hospital in South Africa. I have a surgery there. I was one month uh, living in the hospital and then they flew me to Argentina, two surgeries more. Mm. Um, and I think like seven, eight months more of uh, rehab and surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of pain. And the thing about all this is not really interesting what happened. It's interesting the amount of pain and that I didn't have hands. Yeah. Because if you don't have hands, it's not like, I think, well, you can compare pains really, but if you don't have hands, you can go to, for example, to the bathroom alone. Mm -hmm. You can eat alone. Mm -hmm. You can clean yourself. So you need someone that do, does everything for you. And that is challenging because you need to start trusting on people. You need to not be shy at all. Um, you need to, I don't know, to accommodate to the time of other, of other people at the same time, to not be like, a, I don't know, a burden, you say, like something heavy for them. Yeah, and, and it, as you described when you were learning to ride your first motorcycle, you wanted to go off and do it alone. You did. You said you were shy. You didn't want people to see you uh, fall. Making mistakes, yes. You were profoundly independent in your travels and in your lifestyle. And in a moment, that completely changed. You became completely dependent on others for probably close to a year, if not more. How did that affect you? mentally how did you deal with that how did you adapt to those conditions thanks god i'm always trying to learn internal things because otherwise i don't know um it's really really difficult because yeah i'm i'm just I'm independent and I don't like to depend on others at all. I don't know how to do it. It was so difficult for me. Mm. I was, um, but I didn't have another option really. When you don't have another option, you just need to do it. You can, you can be starving for two, three days, but after it's just like, I need to ask for help. I can do it or I die really. Um, you can be without taking a shower one week but after you smell a shit and you really need a shower because mm. otherwise your mom that is giving you food or your friend or whatever and they smell it too so you need to adapt you don't have another option it was so difficult but i learned to be grateful to say thank you and to ask for things uh, because I know how to give, but I don't know how to receive. 
Mm. So I, I, I need to learn that. Uh, it's so powerful because it's really nice to give. So why we don't give the opportunity to give to others, to give us things too? Um, so it's really good to give, but also to receive because other one is giving. It's an opportunity for other person. To how, long was, how long was the recovery period? It was like uh, eight months. The first three months was hell. Also, the pain was so strong that I think the first week they they were giving me like, I don't know, like maybe four or five different pills for pain and also, also shots in my back for pain. And I, I remember that I, I saw a pink elephant <laughs> on my bed. Yeah, it was completely, I don't know, like a drug. Um, but I didn't like it. And I could feel a lot of pain even with all that. And it was unbearable. The first week I thought several times. I was trying to be calm, to be happy, to learn about that. But it was so horrible that I tried to not drink water for not going to the bathroom because I didn't want to move for the, because of the pain. Wow. And I also tried, I was thinking, oh my gosh, it would be easier to die now than to continue because I know how difficult I'm going to be all this month. I know how much pain I'm going through this month. Mm. But of course, you don't want to die because that's bad for your mom, your, I don't know, your people, right? But I'm not scared about... Um, dying i'm scared out suffering i don't like suffering of course yeah uh, so that was super challenging after the surgery i took a, the second surgery i took away all the pills and i told the doctor i don't want to drink anything now for the third surgery he told me i was crazy i was like you can do that just from one day to another one it's, it's too much you need to take the pills but i was fine I was like one week without sleeping, shaking a lot, uh, with anxiety. It was so strong. Um, one year after, my doctor told me, I can't believe you're not addicted to the, to the pills. It's amazing how you actually did it. And I think that's the mental strength because it's like if your mind is really strong you can do whatever you want you don't need a strong body you don't need to know how to do things you just need a strong mind to tell yourself that you can do it and just do it anything to not take any more drug that you need to support like pain to go through anything really or to learn anything everything is in your mind even your change. You seem, you seem fully recovered now. You have the full functionality of your hands now. No, yeah, my right hand, yes, of course. But my left hand, I can't really close it. it it's good enough for motorcycles or hiking, but it's not like really, really, really good. It's like, like maybe 80%, I would say. And also I can't, do some moves with my with my arm 
like the receiving moving with my hand i can do it <laughs> really fine but it's fine it's, it's good enough you learn how to do it anyway if you don't have a hand it's fine you learn how to manage yourself this that that tragic experience um that that devastating eight months of recovery excruciating pain obviously it's a horrible experience in your life sometimes in our lives we have bad things happen terrible things that happen but ultimately it reveals something new to us it, it changes us in a way that maybe in the end it's you're better off for having suffered through that experience do you feel that way about your accident i had two accidents so far this one was the most uh, horrible one i would say but at the same time um i'm glad uh, of having those accidents both of them because in every step it's like with problems i learned a lot and i changed internally and i grow so with this accident i learned so much about myself i'm i'm happier now that before also because i know i i don't cry anymore for stupid things or things maybe they are not stupid because if you break your i don't know your nail and you're suffering the stuff your suffer your way of suffering is real for you but i'm not the kind of person anymore um nothing is re a re real problem even if i don't know if I crash on somebody and they don't love me back or something like that, I just laugh and I go away and it's okay, maybe next time. It's not important really. And I have a lot of fish on the sea. So <laughs> and if I break a bone, it's like the hands were worse, it's fine. I just need to fix it or anything. I don't know, I don't have money and it's like, it's fine, I can ask for rice somebody or i can work out of work on anything really i don't need to earn a lot of money i just need to enough for living and to be okay so i think on the travel and on the accidents i learned that i learned that i can do whatever i want i learned that uh, problems are things that you need to fix to work out but not to cry about and if you can't actually and solve it out well then just get used to it it really doesn't matter and also that happiness is something that you learned it's a uh, mindset i think that's the mo most powerful thought happiness is not something you need to reach if you think that you're going to reach happiness you're not going to reach it ever in your life yeah I totally it's a mindset agree. you need to to learn how to be grateful in the present, in the mind, with the mind in the present, and to enjoy things. And if something really, really bad happens, to be positive and to think it's an opportunity for something, for what? Okay, Guada, you're, you're an inspiring person to others, un undoubtedly. Um, we've talked about your, your journeys, your adventures on your motorcycle, you're not just a motorcyclist. Um, you do so many other things. Um, you are a content creator, a travel writer, a filmmaker. You're a motivational speaker, and I think it's pretty easy to see why. You have such incredible energy and such a positive spirit. Um, 
where does that come from? What do you think? Is there Thank some- you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't really know. I think it's uh, like a lot of things first, but I come from a family that is a matriarchy of warrior women who have always achieved what they set out to do in the face of the society, not adapted to them at all. Um, so I would say first, my mother, my grandma, and my grandma are like kind of an inspiration for me. Mm. Um, and then it's just like, like life that I realize. Uh, Thank you, thank you life, that I realized that the thing that are important for me is internal growth. So I start just asking myself, um, who is an inspiration for me, what I want to be, actually. And I realized that, you know, when people tell you that, I don't know, sometimes with some things people tell you, I'm just like that, I can't change. That's a lie, everybody can change everything everything mm. so it's just to know what you want to be and go there and to be also to have compassion with yourself because you're going to be in a lot of mistakes and going on backing and whatever it doesn't matter really but i think it's like that but i'm like this because of my family and because a lot of characters that i admire like i'm going to say what almost everybody says probably but like Madma Gandhi, Dalai Lama and other people that are like that like them but they are nobody knows them um they are like me maybe with a, I don't know less how do you call it like for example I know a lot of people like Dalai Lama or Madma Gandhi in real in the life now but Nobody knows them, but they are doing amazing things, amazing things, too. So I learned from them a lot. That's wonderful. Okay. Um, So uh, maybe people will be listening to this in the future or watching this in the future. So as we record this, it's still kind of during the the COVID-19 virus epidemic that's sweeping across the world. Um, You cannot travel really at the moment. Um, first of all, how does that feel? How does it feel for you to be, you're just this wandering spirit. Uh, how does it feel to be kind of forced to stay in place? How does that, how does that affect you? You know that everybody asks me the same thing, but, um, I think the people that travel don't ask me that. And the people that doesn't travel think that it's really going to be a problem for me. Mm. It's so weird. Uh, first, I'm really sad for the amount of people suffering because of the virus. Yeah. Uh, I really want that to stop, even when I'm okay with the, with the quarantine. I don't like people suffering. Um, but I'm really okay. I can go out except to supermarkets. Uh, this is in March. Oh my gosh, already three, four months of this <laughs> quarantine. Uh, I begin, he, I came back to my own country one month ago and I couldn't see my friends or my mother yet. Mm. But I'm having a really nice time. It is winter here, so I'm, I'm like a bear. I really like hibernate 
I hibernate all the time. I like hibernating. I'm happy with my computer, grateful with nice food, the hot showers, my gosh, I have a shower, the bed, my own bed, and with the opportunity to have time to finish things and to learn other ones. So I'm doing meditations, online classes. I'm trying to learn Korean, just trying by myself, it's like Chinese. And reading a lot, spending time with myself, with friends, through Skype, as always, it's just like traveling. I build my webpage to sell my services online, like editing videos, uh, building pages for other people. I open a new uh, YouTube channel, it's a booktube channel, and a bookstagram. And I'm cooking a lot, helping my mom with her own projects, um, and taking time to relax. It's like, this is my way of not doing much, resting. So I'm doing a lot of things during the day. I need more hours in a day, please. <laughs> but I'm really, really ha happy with this. I don't know. I, just, uh, I would like to climb. Climbing would be amazing right now. But I'm nature. And two things that I really miss right now. Climbing and what? Nature. Oh, nature. Okay. Um, well, you're, you're staying very positive. It's obviously a terrible situation for pretty much the entire world, but you're making the most of your time, you're being productive, and you have still have that positive spirit. So that's, that's wonderful to see. What I'm not suffering. So I think it's, it's like I'm not suffering with my body. Uh -huh. So why am I going to suffer with my mind? It's more an opportunity to do new things, uh, to change your life, or to learn new stuff, and to be with yourself. Wonderful, wonderful. So eventually, hopefully, um, this will pass um, or things will, you know, ease and the world will come back to normal, hopefully, and you'll begin to travel again. You'll be able to travel again. Where are you going? What's, what's, what's next for you? I have no idea, <laughs> really. I pick up my adventures with one or two weeks in advance. Um, I always make 100 plans in my head, but then I figure it out on the way and everything changes all the time, the world goes around you and I'm most of the time prepared for those changes because my plans are always flexible. So far Argentina is closed until September. Wow. So one month for me is like two years in a normal life. So I don't have no idea. For me, September is like, oh my gosh, it's like three years of life almost. <laughs> yeah, it's not much time. It would be like three months more. But I can do anything right now. I need to wait. So maybe in September, I will figure out what to do. I would like to go to Malaya. To? The Himalaya. Where's that? In India? The Himalaya? How do you call it? Uh, the mountains. In, in, in India. India, India, Nepal, Bhutan. Oh, oh, the Himalayas. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now I understand. You're not going to be climbing any mountains, are you? Um, I'm not really good at climbing, but could be. Why not? Why not? Okay. All right. Let me ask you a few more questions here, Guada. Um, so, I want to ask you um, a, a theoretical question about talking to your younger self. So 
you know, as people grow, you know, they become wiser, they learn so much more about who they are. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, at what age would you find yourself? And what, what would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Such a difficult question. Um, I think I would be 10 years old and I would teach myself that happiness is a mindset and where is my path to learn how to switch my mindset. And so, yeah. Yeah, I and I would tell myself, don't let society change you. It's like learn from everything, but you're just fine as you are. So, but I, I, I think I wouldn't change anything in my life, really. I wouldn't advise myself to do another path. Because this path is good enough. I know I like who I am right now and what I'm doing. And if I change my path, um i don't know other life maybe something goes wrong maybe it's not good as good as this one so i think i not i really like my person so it's fine <laughs> i would like to suffer less in the past but that's it yeah as you said you know it, it was it, you've had some terrible experiences but you're you've grown from them you're a better person for those terrible experiences so that makes sense well said um, you mentioned Mahatma Gandhi, you mentioned um, the Dalai Lama. Um, is there a famous quote, a well-known quote, or a piece of advice that you've been given that you frequently return to uh, in your life? Mm, I don't have a, a famous quote, but I have a thought. Mm. Um, and I try to be conscious in the present moment when something painful happens and I'm taking a path of pain with my mind. If I realize of that, I tell myself that every moment is good to change my actions and my mind. Uh, to change my mind and to be more positive, right? Um, it's like possible bifurcations are in every second in life. When everything goes well, I tell myself also to be here, not in, it's like in the present, but not in the future or the past, and fully aware of every detail to enjoy it and to make others to enjoy it too. And I'm not really good to be in the present, and sometimes uh, with really silly things, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like, when someone tells me something I don't like, for example, I get really mad. And I don't realize that why I'm going to get mad. It's just someone telling something about me. I don't care. I can be happy anyway. So you can analyze things and growing with if something tells you something bad about you, for example, you can grow with that, but I don't need to suffer about that. So it's just learning, trying to remember that. It's like every moment in the present is good to change your mind and to change your actions. You can't go back all the time. Well said, well said. Okay, Guada, I think, I think this would be a good place to bring this conversation to a close. Uh, I really wanna thank you for sharing your story and being so open and being so honest. I think that 
this talk is really going to inspire a lot of people. So I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Chris, for your patience, for being so patient. And it was a really, really nice talk. So thank you so much. My great pleasure. I want to extend my thanks and gratitude to Guada for taking the time to have this wonderful talk with me. People like her are a rare and special thing. I'm so delighted to have been able to get to know her better. If you want to find out more about her and her amazing adventures, you can find her wonderful YouTube channel, which also includes English subtitles, by searching Guada Arauz, G-U-A-D-A-A-R-A-O-Z. Find her on Instagram and Facebook, both at Guada Arauz Web, and follow her blog, guadaarouse.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Meet My Inspiration, and I hope we've been able to inspire you too, even if just a little. Sometimes that's all it takes to make great things happen. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like broadcasting to the world everything you do online. Here's how to protect yourself and get three months for free. Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. ExpressVPN works on all devices, phones, laptops, even routers, so that everyone who shares your Wi-Fi is protected too. And the best part is using ExpressVPN is super easy. Just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by TechRadar, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So if you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com MMI, and you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com MMI.